Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Shari Elise. And Shari is the co-founder of the Wellness Universe, an online community and platform of wellness providers, and the CIO, Chief Inspirational Officer of Soul Ventures, Inc., a company focused on being a catalyst for positive change on the planet. In addition to building and running the Wellness Universe with founder Anna Pereira, Sherry is also passionate about sharing her messages of self-love, self-acceptance, and joy as an international motivational speaker, a joy magnet, truth coach, author, and vlogger. Motivated by her own journey through healing from childhood trauma, Sherry devotes her time creating daily inspirational videos, which she shares across her social media channels. It is Sherry's mission to help be the spark to reignite the light within everyone, find the love that exists within, and bring joy back to people's lives. And you know how those people who just radiate joy and love don't they make you so mad? No, I'm only kidding. Well, you're about to meet one of them. What's really important to know is that so often we think that people who are really happy must have it really easy or they've never been through anything because if so, they'd be bitter and resentful. Well, that's not the case. And my friend Sherry is living proof. I can't wait for you to meet her. Here she is. Okay, you are in for such a treat. Uh, You know, we're going to be having this amazing conversation with a friend of mine, Sherry Elise. And before I even, uh, you're going to, you're just going to absolutely adore her, but wait till you, I just want you to tune into how you feel because we're going to dive in and get pretty serious, but this is a woman who just radiates so much joy and love. And I, I am so thrilled to just share her with you. So welcome, Sherry. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. Do you see what I mean, everybody? I mean, she just said hello and already. She, and well, and know, that, go ahead. I'm, no, I'm already emotional. You're saying that. And it's like my greatest, the, what I get the greatest joy out of Debbie is people to feel that, spreading that because I feel it, you know? So thank you for that. And I know you do. And I know you do. And it's part of the work that you do. And we're going to get there. But, you know, of course, this this is, you know, from betrayal to breakthrough. So it's about betrayal, but it's it's not just about betrayal. It's what we do with it. What meaning do we make from it? How does it shape us? How do it how does it affect us? So let's just let's just get started with your betrayal and 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 we'll just see where we go. So can you share your story? Sure. Um, so, you know, what's interesting about this is that it's not, it's only until recently that I was actually, and I think it was the conversation that you and I had, um, when I had the awesome opportunity to interview you and you, I never put my childhood trauma in terms of betrayal. I never looked at it as what had happened to me as betrayal until you actually said that word. And it touched me deeply because I, it was really hard for me in my life to place blame on people because for some reason I always saw, I always saw the innocence of people. I knew that they made bad choices in their lives, but I always, for some reason, just saw something deeper, you know, like whatever happened to them in their lives that made them do that, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until years ago and talking to a therapist for a very short time that she said to me, you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be upset. Like no matter how good of a person they might've been, they hurt you, you know? Mm -hmm. So with that said, um, when I was seven years old, I was sexually molested, um, by a complete stranger. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at that age, of course, I didn't really understand why 
that had happened to me, but I don't even know if the why was important. It was more just about having to just navigate that. It was 1981. And I always say the date, not because I want to tell you how old I am, Mm -hmm. but um, because nobody was talking about it in 1981. You know, Oprah wasn't out talking about it. You know, there was no Me Too movement. There was none of that. And so my parents didn't know how to handle that, Debbie. Mm -hmm. um, No one just knew what to say. But the only thing that I knew is that I had to share what had happened to me. And, and I want to stop you there, Sherry, because sure. there are so many people who they, they were so confused and didn't understand it and didn't share it and then took the risk when they did share it and were just met with, oh, we're not going to talk about that or, you know, dismissing it or, or whatever. So it's, it's so brave that you even knew so there was something about you that knew that you should share this. Yeah. And I still, to this day, because people said, what made you tell. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I knew that it was wrong. So like there was that innate knowing that this is not supposed to be happening to me or was supposed to have happened. Um, and I trusted the people in my life, you know? Uh, and I even actually, during the moment that it was happening, I had called out for help, uh, not screamed help, but called my sister back who was in the area to come back to where I was. And this is another thing that just dawned on me recently that in the little girl in me might have felt betrayed in this moment as well. But she said to me, because she was hanging out with her friend, she was like, no, keep having fun, keep having fun. And she didn't oh. come back, you know, because mm. she didn't, of course, know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now she was nine years old hanging out with her friends. So I tried saying something then. And then in the car ride home, I tried telling her and she was with her friends and she said, tell me at home, tell me at home. And so when we got home, uh, I went and followed her into the bathroom. And my mom, I guess, had sensed that there was something wrong with me. So she was actually eavesdropping, just having that mother instinct mm-hmm. that there was something off about me. And so she heard me telling my sister what had happened. And then immediately my mom called the police and the detectives came over. And um, I actually ended up testifying against him and putting him in jail. Wow. When you were seven? Yes. Yes. Now, what was that like? <sighs> Oh man. Um, so there's not a lot that I, there are certain moments. It's interesting that stand out from that day. And the big moments are being on the stand, having to look at him in the courtroom, having to state what he was wearing, having to state my address. And I remember thinking he's going to come and find me like knowing where I live. And I remember being terrified of that moment and then also having to name my body parts in front of a room full of strangers mm-hmm. and the places, you know, mm-hmm. that he violated and all that. Um, and then the other thing that I remember about that day was during the break and beforehand, there was these two uh, paralegals, I guess they were, and they were playing Barbies with me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember they were making me feel so safe mm-hmm. and I always say, you know, for people who doubt, this is a completely different subject, but for people who doubt their importance in the world and thinking they have to do big things, those two women that day changed everything for me, just sitting and playing Barbies with me. And and you know what? There were so many important 
nuggets I want to unpack on what you said, but but you just mentioned such an amazing point. It's so true because so often people, they feel so bad about themselves because they're not sure of you know, how are they contributing? What are they doing? What are they bringing? How are they, how are they helping? And something like that, that seems, right? It, it's seemingly small. Look at the impact that that had on you. To this day, like I wish I knew who it was because it was the scariest day of my life, but there was something so calming and okay about that day because of those two women that just hung out with me, you wow. know, in that room, in that office. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And, and you know, I, how many stories have we heard where someone's in physical, you know, a physical crisis, they're in the hospital, whatever, and they remember, you know, this, this nurse or doctor or someone who showed up out of nowhere, who was just this angel by their side. And then- yeah. And then in those even weirder instances, that person didn't even work there or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And that's so important to say that because like you said, I, you know, I I work with clients and people who feel like, you know, they don't know their purpose and, or they're working in jobs that they don't feel like they're doing anything in the world. And it's like, you can make a difference every single day in everything that you do with the small things. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So what did you make out of that experience? Because we can, we can make a story and, and create a story or make meaning out of, out of really everything. What did you take from that? And how did, how did that impact you going forward? Hmm. There's so many, there's so many parts of me that keep getting uncovered, you know, even, Mm -hmm. even last, even this year and last year of, of moments, but what I, I find that I've learned the most about myself through that, number one, is that I have a voice and that it should always be heard and that I should speak up and we should all speak up. But also that I, I felt for many years that I wasn't important enough or seen mm-hmm. because I felt like somebody, if somebody could do that to me, they obviously didn't see my value. Mm-hmm. And of course, I didn't know this like consciously. I've had to learn this because I'm like, well, how did I end up in my life then choosing relationships and things that, you know, made me feel like I had no worth and no value? And it was because of thinking about someone who could violate a young girl, like as if she doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so having what I've taken from this is having learned my own worth and value and being, you know, the lifelong work of that of not having to do anything and just learning that I'm enough as I am. And, you know, that's what that pushed me towards is figuring that all out for myself. And, you know, there are, I'm sure there are people listening saying, I, I want to speak up. I'm so afraid. And, and I'm it, it, as the seven-year-old and then going forward, I'm sure there were these moments of fear. I mean, you mentioned how terrifying it was, but you spoke up anyway. So what was it that made you say, you know what, this is scary, but I'm doing it anyway. Walk us through that. I think for me, um, number one is that there was this innate knowing that it was wrong what they did. Um, and no matter how fearful I was, it's so hard, Debbie, like to put over how this was because it was just a knowing that it needed to be spoken about. There was something in it that somebody had to be responsible for what they did. And finding out that he had done this to a lot of girls before me really cemented for me that my voice helped others. And so if you cannot find the strength to do it for yourself right now in this moment, do it to help somebody else. And did you ever hear from some of those other uh, girls that he had done that to? No. 
you know, they didn't, they didn't tell us who it was. They had just said that, you know, after they arrested him and they did more background research, they found out that there was many other girls. Um, Cause he was, this was at a beach and he was like a public figure there, you know, like the local fisherman guy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the parents, you know, he was just always there, a staple at this beach. And I guess a lot of parents, I don't get it, but left their kids with him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so now because you've, you've done so much work to heal and to, to, to make sense out of this, how did you know you were healing? So like you, was there something, something that you did or, or was there a person that helped you? Were there books that you read? What, what was your process? Well, my process honestly began with Oprah. (laughs) Um, honestly, like, you know, because I kept it, I talked about it from a young age, you know, um, like I said, I spoke openly about it. My mom and dad had a challenging time with it. My father didn't know how to deal with it. And so he didn't talk about it. And for me, that was another big lesson because I felt like he was ashamed of me Mm -hmm. um, just because he didn't know how to handle it. And my mom and my sister, they tried to share with me ways that I could have been smarter and not Mm -hmm. so naive, you know, and they were not blaming me, but I heard that as blame. Mm -hmm. And there was something in me again that was like, no, this wasn't your fault. Um, And so I just, I spoke up through the years, even, you know, in junior high and high school, like I always told people, like when things would come up, I would admit to that, that that happening, but I always felt still like very much like an outsider. And there was this part of me that knew that I had no one really to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think I pushed down a lot of it um, because what I was told during this time, Debbie, is that I was brave and courageous and strong and I saved all these girls, but I didn't feel brave and courageous and strong. I felt like a girl that had, you know, been hurt and didn't understand why this happened to her. And so I just chose to keep it more within as time went on. But I realized that I was like choosing a lot of bad men in my life. And, you know, I was really great at you know, following my dream career at the time, which was like, I'm going to be an actress. I'm, you know, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do all of this. But the one area of my life that just kept showing up and hurting me was the men and the relationships that I chose. So I just knew at some point I was like tired of hitting that brick wall mm-hmm. and Oprah showed up. She started talking about sexual abuse openly. It gave me permission to finally start digging into it. I still didn't think that it would have affected me because I mm-hmm. thought that having dealt with it at seven years old and putting the guy in jail, like it was kind of like, well, tied that up, put that away. You know, mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I, I kept discovering that I wasn't good with it. And so I read books. I was like the self help guru. I was the one at the bookstore in the self help section when they first had it. You know, and it was very small. I did all of my own reading and listening to speakers and affirmations and journaling. And I really just, I've always been one that is an overachiever in in a sense Mm -hmm. and always just wanted to figure it all out. And, but I love that you, that you took the measures to, to really take a look at this. And, you know, there are, there are two sides of this where so, so often I hear someone saying, well, I, you know, I don't want to give it any more attention because then I'm giving it life, but it's in giving it attention. It's like a shadow, you know, you keep running, it's chasing you until you turn around and, and actually look at it and, and do the work to heal it. So it sounds like you just did a tremendous amount of work. So where did all the joy come from? <laughs> so I, you know, it's, it's interesting because as a kid, everyone would always say to me, you're so happy. You're so happy. And inside I would like on the outside, I was like, yeah, but inside there was 
this part of me that was like, I didn't understand it. I was like, I don't know. I don't have money. I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm having bad relationships. Where is this happiness coming from? I don't see what they're seeing. And it wasn't until I went to, in 2010, after the big earthquake in Haiti, um, I decided to volunteer there where I was actually called and somehow I showed up there and, um, and showing up in a, in a country where there was a devastation, uh, you know, a natural disaster on top of already being a third world country and seeing the kids here with no limbs and no parents and people just in devastation. But there was this joy that I could not put a finger on. Like it was this overwhelming, beautiful spirit that was there. And it was, and it, it's a much longer story, but in that moment, I realized that's what that is, Sherry. It's this innate joy in me that I discovered because I recognized them in myself. And I was like, this is not about happiness. This is about joy. This is about you knowing that nothing on the outside matters, that it doesn't matter what your financial status is. And it doesn't matter about what things you have and what your relationship is. Joy is something that we all just have. And it's whether we choose to tap into it or not. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, and and it was their example that like lit that up for me. Right. Wow. I I love so many things about what you're saying. (laughs) And it's so interesting because the the book I'm listening to now, I do a lot of Audible, Audible, and the book I'm listening to now is, I don't know the exact title, but I think it's called Joy. And it's a conversation between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was so profound about what the Dalai Lama said was that when he looks at himself as I am the Dalai Lama, he's one, he's single, he's alone, he's separated. But when he looks at it as if I am one of, you know, 7 billion people on the planet, we're all connected. And it's, I love that. And it sounds like you being there really showed you how connected we, we all are. Mm -hmm. It like, I, I feel like it broke me open in a sense. I remember just being in one of the tents and just crying because I had never felt anything like that. Like just seeing broke, you would think broken people in a broken place. And yet there was this life, this palpable joy that just bounced and beamed from them. And it just put it like, it just connected me to something deeper. And I was like, this is who we all are. And this is what we all are. And yet we allow all of our circumstances and all of the human things to make us forget this part of ourselves. And then I thought, this is what people see in you, Sherry. It's not about happiness because happiness is fleeting, you know, depending on like a good day, a bad day, what I have, Mm -hmm. what I don't have. But joy is just, it's a state, it's part of who we are. Wow. And, and, you know, here's the real, I just want to get so practical here because studies have even proven how, when we give, it helps us heal. And, you know, we think, well, I I feel so broke. We're never broken. You know, we're bent, but I Mm -hmm. feel so broken and, and how I have nothing to give and how can I possibly, what is that going to do for me? But even if you, if you want to be so look at it as a completely selfish act, you are doing it for you because look at the joy you get in helping others in this, in this profound way. And, and you see, you know, everything is a reflection and it sounds like you saw that being reflected right back to you. Absolutely. And what was so funny is that I went there thinking like, I'm going to be the one that helps them, you know, not like that, but I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to come in and save the day with all of the supplies and give them hugs and do all this. And I was the one that was helped, you know, they, they, they showed up for me in, in ways that I will never be able to explain properly. 
Yeah. So what was the biggest lesson that you learned from all that, from your experience when you were little, from the, the you know, that experience? What'd you learn? Who? Um, I think the greatest lessons that I have learned in all of this is that just the I am enough. You know, like I, I feel like I've chased the world. <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. I've chased everything to find this value and to prove my worthiness and to say, hey, see me, look at me, I'm important, don't forget about me, don't hurt me. And at the end of the day, all of my running and all of my trying to show up in ways so people can see it, I never was able to see it or feel it until I was able to look at myself and see it and feel it. And, you know, I I don't want to confuse everybody who's listening because they may think, oh, well, look at her. She's just filled with joy 24-7. Do you ever have, (laughs) right? Because then then they just feel so frustrated. Like, well, she could do that, but I can't. Do you ever have a a down moment? What does a down moment look like? And how long does it last? And what do you do to pick yourself back up again? Holy crap. Of course I do. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, this joy and this positivity, all of this isn't like, I'm still human. I mean, I I go through like, it's still work. You know, I still am dealing with life situations. Like how am I going to pay my next bill? Like I, I still have financial struggles right now as we're, as I'm speaking to you, you know, I'm still not like when I look at my career, I can look at it and go, man, I'm not in the place that I want to be in. You know, I want more. Um, so this is a constant work in progress and it's a constant waking up every day and reminding myself, sitting with my own gratitude list, first saying thank you from the time that I arise and going, thank you for this day. Thank you for this life. And for me, you know, it shows up as pushing so hard. Last year I got physically ill um, because I've been pushing so hard because still that, that feeling of insignificance and, and not worthiness pushes me sometimes past my own limits. Um, And those are the constant reminders. And just like, I think it was about a month ago, I talked about how this joy that I used to feel years ago, I mean, like that used to just like bounce off of my skin and through my pores. Like I feel like it's been numbed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that for me is a downer. And then I start, you know, getting upset with myself over it. So, you know, this work that we all do on ourselves, we are works in progress. And anyone that says <laughs> that, you know, they don't have any problems or they have the answer and they're living in joy and light and inspiration 24 seven, they're, they're BSing you. Mm. There's there. And, and I feel like as a coach and as a motivational speaker that I'm doing people a disservice when I don't share my truth. And my truth is that I do struggle and that I do have challenges, but I've learned the tools to be able to navigate through it and to help myself and not sit in that space that long. And that's one thing I, I love so many things about you. That's just one thing that I love about you because it <laughs> makes you so real. Because if someone is listening and they get this sense of, oh, you, you know, you're always having a great day and what do you know and you've never experienced anything, then they're thinking, well, you can't possibly understand. How can you help me? But there's something about, yes, you've been there, but look what you've done with it. And look at the choices you've made because of it, uh, which gives other people just so much inspiration. So so when you're when you're having a rough day, like let's say the bills are piling piling mm-hmm. up and or whatever it is that's bringing you down, is there a way that your your body is telling you? Is there a signal you have? What's your process to say, okay, Sherry, come on, let's do something about this? Well, I definitely notice immediately that I am in my head and I'm having these obsessive thoughts. And then that turns into a tightness in my chest, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which turns into um, 
really just that downward, like, cause our, my physical pain turns into obviously emotional. So it's like this constant spiral and hamster wheel. And so for me, as soon as I noticed that here's the thing, everything that's ever happened to me in life, every challenge I've ever gone through every struggle, like I've come out of it. I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm living. And so those are the reminders that I give myself, like, because I've always been transformed through the hardest moments in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I have to do these reminders, like you're okay, Sherry, everything's going to work out. I do mirror work. You know, when I'm starting to feel this, the greatest thing that happened to me last year was literally finding my home within myself. Mm -hmm. and seeing, looking into my eyes, and for the first time, seeing this power that looked back at me in that mirror, like there was something much deeper, like my essence, my soul, my spirit, I saw it. Like, I I don't know another way to explain it, except I saw my light. Mm. And so when I'm feeling these moments of anxiety or stress, just down, I go into that mirror and I look at myself and I say, I love you. I put my hand on my heart and I say that and tears fall or I just go, let's do this. I mean, I am the queen of like everything that you can think Mm -hmm. of. That's like that little girl in the mirror with the positive affirmations. That's who I am. Mm. And, you know, there are so many people who the the, the thought of looking into their own eyes freaks them out. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest to them? What do you suggest to somebody who they're struggling? They know they're they're not in that place. They want to do the work. They're willing to do the work, but there's something that just keeps holding them back. I mean, what what could they do? First thing always, and, and I think the hardest thing for me was the releasing of this, like, I, I have to be perfect kind of thing, you know, like that there's like this one way of doing something. And that was really hard for me in the beginning is that I was watching all these people meditate and I was watching people all do like all of these affirmations and I didn't understand, I wasn't being called to do it. So I had to just start allowing myself to just show up as I was. So if someone's having a struggle with that, acknowledge the struggle, like trying to push through your own feelings and saying they don't exist, I think is again, doing ourselves a big disservice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to stop you right there because I mean, as someone known, I actually had a mentor who said, Debbie, you don't just run in the wrong direction. You run enthusiastically in the (laughs) wrong direction. And so, so (laughs) that one never left me, but uh, you know, so I so appreciate what you're saying. And, and I know also as a thinker, um, and when I'm in my head way too much, uh, let's even say something like meditating. I will go in with an agenda like, okay, I'm supposed to meditate and I will experience this. And then I don't. And it's like, I wasn't doing it right. So it's really not about the doing. It's more about the being. Right. Yes. It's, and it's so funny. Cause I, I realized too, I'm like, you are not allowing yourself to just be here. You're trying to control your meditation because you want to get something specific out of it. And when you're not, you're getting frustrated. And so I, I've, I've really like my greatest lesson that I'm learning is to just be okay with what shows up and what doesn't show up, you know? And what is that? See, now that's a really hard concept for the, I don't want to speak for myself, but the control freak, you know, just yep. what, let's just be okay with whatever shows up. Because if we're so used to controlling, we're trying to control the outcome. What do we do with that? With just being okay and allowing and surrendering and letting go. Give us a, give us a tip on that. Who this is one of my lessons I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my goals for this year was to surrender and to live in trust. And so for me, I just say, thank you. Thank you for now. I trust in whatever shows up. And 
that's all I can do. And it sucks sometimes because I want more from it, but I literally just sit in that. And a lot of times it takes for me to go back in my mind and remember the moments where things have worked out for me, Mm -hmm. you know, when I didn't know what was going to happen. And that's important because there's your, there's your proof. You know, you can, you can look and say, Oh, look, but it looked, it it worked here. So let me trust that it could work again. And it works all the time though. It works. It's not even just in certain moments. It always works. But the majority of the suffering that we do is what we're building up in our heads, not what actually is happening, not the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. And all of those, what we call wrong moves or bad experiences. I mean, if you, I'm sure this is your experience too. Nothing teaches you faster or puts you on the right road. Right. And, and uh, works towards something so much better. So we're so hesitant for that crash or for that breakdown, but there's always that breakthrough because of it. Absolutely. And it's funny because when they start to arrive, I'm like, here you go. Here you go. Like, and I always know something great is going to come from it. And then I always say to my higher source, God, I'm like, please allow me to learn these same lessons without Mm. (laughs) having to go through the struggle. Like I promise if you just allow me to learn through ease and grace, but it just doesn't work that way. Like, and, and yeah, it would be nice if it did, but I don't think we'd take it as seriously. Right? I really don't think we would yep. we would get the full impact of it that we do when we just feel so uh, pulled and stretched yeah. and and you know broken or bent or whatever. Sherry, what do you want to make sure everyone knows before we wrap up? Hmm. I want everyone to know that I, I wherever you are in your life and whatever it is that you're going through and in this moment that you're okay. I mean, that that's truly what gets me through everything is I know this sucks and I know that it's hard, but I also know because of who we are and what we were built to be that we are and you are okay. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you know, when you said that, I just took this like big sigh of relief and like my shoulders went down. It's like, <laughs> huh, I really am. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We're just going to lay our arms down. Yeah. And so is everybody listening. My gosh, isn't that wonderful? So how do we learn more about you? Where do we go? Okay. Well, you can definitely, of course, um, check me out at thewellnessuniverse.com, which is uh, my company. It's a, it's your wellness resource. You can look me up there. And then my own personal website is sherryelise.com. Um, I'm a motivational speaker. You can hire me as a coach. Uh, and I also have a Joy Spot membership community, um, which I would love for you to join. It's a way to stay inspired and connected every single day to your joy. I love that. Sherry, I want to thank you so much because I know everybody listening is saying, what, can I really do that? And yes, you can. And you're living proof. And I so appreciate you for that and for all the joy you bring to everybody you touch. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You know, Sherry just showed us we have the ability to look at things from so many different perspectives, from a lens of lack and fear or from a lens of abundance and joy. It's a choice, although it may take some work to get there. It's worth it. Just like Sherry suggested, whether it's through coaching or therapy, reading, meditation, it really doesn't matter as long as you keep growing to change whatever doesn't feel right for you. Stay in touch with Sherry by heading over to SherryElise.com and we'll have all of our information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. 
Sherry shared her story of going to Haiti, and it's just another example of how much we heal when we give. If you're struggling to heal, especially if you're struggling to open up your heart again after a betrayal, opening up your heart to a group who needs support, pets, or even plants can help. You may think you're broken and have nothing to give, but you'll see how there's so much more to you than you think, and that love will only radiate back. And also, let me give you some love by giving you a gift. Head over to pbtinstitute.com to receive my gift of how your biggest crisis reveals your greatest gift. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give tools, information, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough. Breakthrough.